Sasha Gray. I'm also uh, a host of this program. My name is David Guy Levy. That weirdo over there. And on this week's episode, we have the man with two first names, <laughs> Mr. Benjamin Arthur. Benjamin Arthur. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, buddy. Thank you. Thank you very much. <sighs> Hi. Hello. Today Hello. Uh, we have Sandra working on Sasha. Ar- Ariana's Hello. on me again. Hello. And everyone's Hi. favorite, Marcia, is Hi. on uh, <laughs> Benjamin. Well. Yeah, I had cupping done recently, so I have some right. cupping marks. Uh, whatever you want. How do you feel? Mm. Yeah, I was really sick last week, so this is my first day of good health. So, like, my body's a wreck. And I was traveling for, like, I was on, like, two 13-hour flights. Oh my god. So, go I'm great. Wow. Is there yeah. anything I should be aware of? Accidents or injuries? Uh, lower back, car accident, long time ago. And it still acts up? Yeah, ish. Here and there. Just like maybe pressure here is a bit of an issue, yeah. You get nervous? Yeah. It just puts my hair up on my back, so to speak. So there's a little bit of weakness going on. Yeah, exactly. Have you ever had your abdominal muscles worked on? Oh, yeah. Okay, does gonna, that ever help the low back? Oh, yeah, big time. Okay, we can do a little bit today if you want. Oh, worked on? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I thought you meant in the gym. Oh, no. I was like, <laughs> bro, I hit the gym. <laughs> so welcome to the program, Ben. Well, thanks for having me. This is fantastic. So for our listeners, uh, we'd like you to introduce yourself. Tell us how you see yourself in the world and how people might know you. Oh, geez. Uh, my name is Benjamin Arthur. I am currently on a show on NBC called Working the Angles. Working the Angles. I am a Canadian uh, <laughs> by birth. <laughs> so I'm you sorry. Get the fuck out of here right <laughs> yeah. now. I'm get sorry. Out. You sorry. Get out. <laughs> but you're an Angelino by soul. Exactly. Exactly. I've been down here for about uh, four years, and last weekend I just got the green card in the mail. Whoa. So now, even if they want to kick me out, they have to wait 10 years. <laughs> So it's like tenure. Exactly. In America. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm pretty stoked about it. And the show's on NBC, which is also pretty cool to see like a billboard of yourself, a small Canadian boy, um, you know, up on sunset is pretty awesome. That's pretty great. Yeah. And it's the first U.S. Canadian co-production for a sitcom, isn't it? It is. It is actually the very first Canadian sitcom to cross the border. Uh, we've had many dramas cross, of course, like Saving Hopes and Rookie Blues and stuff like that. But this is the first sitcom, uh, first half-hour sitcom that has crossed the border. I think SCTV did it back in the day. Um, but they're not a sitcom. They're not. They're a sketch show, a damn brilliant one, but they're a sketch show. So how did how did how did this gig come to be? Tell us the story of you finding out you're on a show. Gosh, man. So I worked on a show up in Canada uh, for four seasons called Less Than Kind. It was available on Direct TV down here on the Audience Network, I think. Hmm. Uh, and I worked with uh, Mark McKinney uh, from the Kids in the Hall on that show. Oh, cool. And then we did a final season. And it was like, okay, back to the drawing board. I was down in L.A. I had like a bit of a bank account left from the final season. 
I wasn't really sure where things were going to be taking me. The visa was going to expire in a year. And then I got this really terrible phone call that my father had had a stroke. Yeah, not to be too heavy with it, but we found out that it was brain cancer. So we ended up uh, obviously having to be his caretaker, me and my brother. So I took a bunch of time off. And my management and my agents were real awesome about it the whole time that we were going through that stuff. And my my manager said, look, I obviously you're not in the mood. I get it. But if you were in the mood, I have this project coming up for one of my clients, Andrea Martin, she's from SCTV. Uh, and I think you're perfect for it. And I was like, yeah, I'm not really in the mood to put something on tape. So he eventually coerced me into doing it um, if I had time. And I did it. And six months later... Uh, after dad had passed away, we had come back to Los Angeles and, uh, sure enough, the project was still afloat and they wanted to see another tape and then they wanted to test me and that's just kind of how it worked. It's just like perfectly contrasted with a horrible life event. It was a terrible life event, but you know, you go through something like that and you realize that like life is way short and you just have to enjoy and, you know, I'm flipping it. I choose to be positive about it. Good for you. Yeah. Sorry to be a downer. No. Oh, downer. <laughs> I wish Sorry it was more exciting. That. I wish it was well, that's all we have this week. And yeah. Issues. Thanks for watching. How did you get into performing? Are you always a dramatic actor at first? Or? No, you know what? I come from a really small town in uh, northern British Columbia, and you know, acting is not... I mean, if you have to get a trade up there, you're a carpenter, you're a mechanic, electrician. Um, so high school... Elementary school, I was kind of the class clown. I didn't really care about, oh, yes. <laughs> That's good. I didn't really care about grades, you to be honest. You can go Ariana. And uh, I was in the, the hallway a lot, the class clown. And then, of course, to get my grades up, because, you know, I played hockey and, you know, the grades were suffering, uh, I started doing drama and musical theater and improv, just basically to you know, get my GPA up. And not play sports? Yeah, exactly. And started really loving that stuff. But, you know, like I said, I came from a place where there aren't any actors. No one's making a living acting. So it wasn't really a a thought or a possibility for me. And then I had a buddy who went to film school and a Vancouver film school. And he's like, yeah, I got in. And I was like, what? Uh, I'm the one who does all the acting. Like, how did you get into (laughs) film school? So... I applied, and sure enough, they took my money. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, that was sort of the journey. started back in 2000, and I've been working, you know, solidly at it ever since, but professionally for the past about six years. It's pretty great. I feel like I have a very similar trajectory. I've been doing it the same amount of time as you have, and yeah, like the first half of it is, Hmm. I need to do this, and then it starts to be something you get to do. Right. First half is figuring it out. You're like, yeah. what do I need to do to even get to where I want to be? And I mean, the smart ones uh, just work their asses off and they just put everything, you know, the minute they wake up to the minute they go to bed, they put their, their time and effort into that. And I think that's like a winning formula if you're not a douche. Well, having said that, actually, there's tons of douches, yeah, there's in, tons this, of douches. <laughs> in this industry. <laughs> but I think if you're not a douche and you put your head down and you work, people want to help you and you know help you along a journey. I'm I'm like trying to put myself in your shoes. In the past couple of years, do you feel like working has helped you focus and alleviate some of the 
well, I would be depressed as hell if my dad yeah, passed the grief. away. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you know, part of me thought that that, that had to have been, you know, the universe trying to tell me something because it was just a, I mean, it's just, you don't wish it upon anybody. Yeah. But, you know, like, like I said, there's positives to it. Um, no one wants anyone to suffer, especially a loved one. And I feel like, yeah, it was a blessing, this show. Yeah. And, you know, I think it just reconfirmed the whole comedy thing for me. And getting back to, like, you know, was I a studied dramatic actor? Of course. I studied, um, you know, Meisner and all the real serious stuff uh, when I came out of film school. But I, I quickly realized, I was like, man, I, I'm not doing any comedy. And in Canada, you can't really pick. You know, we have the amazing imports like the Kids in the Hall and the SCTV alumni. But other than that, there's not a lot. Oh, Trailer Park Boys, too. Other than that, there's not a lot of, you know, comedy coming out of Canada. Mm-hmm. So I was in a, a sort of spot where I had to make a choice, you know, what I liked. And I had to sort of put my foot down. And it was literally one summer where I just said, I'm just done with doing <laughs> dramatic scene study class. Yeah. I'm just done with being, like, so heavy all the time. Like, life for me is about laughing. If you can make someone laugh for the rest of your life, I think that that's a wicked job. If you can get paid for it. Like, when we were with my father, during his, like, roughest times, only things that kept us going was laughter. Yeah. So I, f- I feel like it's a beautiful gift you can give somebody. Same with body work. <laughs> yes. Wow. So you were you were telling us before the show, but I told you to stop uh, mm-hmm. about how uh, about you know the the people who created the the show and where they come from and how you sort of see it in the space of entertainment. Right. It's definitely different than the show that I sort of started on. Um, I, like I said, I was working with uh, Mark McKinney. He was our showrunner. I got to work with people like you know Kevin McDonald and uh, Dave Foley. They came on and did guest spots for us. So it was a different brand of humor for sure. Um, this this was a real good lesson for me though, and it was a lesson I was going to eventually have to learn um, in PC comedy. It's hmm. it's something that I, I think. It's of value because, you know, anyone can be raunchy uh, and anyone can kind of, you know, twist sex or twist whatever it is to be raunchy funny. But Those forbidden subjects that are easy to laugh at. Exactly. How do you do PC stuff that your grandmother and your mom can watch yet still stay true to what you believe is funny? So that was a real, a real like a testament to what I was doing. It, It really, really pushed me into a direction of, uh, you know, new ground, uncharted territory for me. So it was great. And yeah. Because it's, so it's more family oriented. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's, uh, it scores very well with like 18 to 49 year old women. Huh. I'm the only male character on the show. Yeah. Tell us about your character. Or Jimmy. The <laughs> so the show is about a dysfunctional uh, family that inherits a law firm. Their father passes away and they inherit this law firm, which to most people sounds like, you know, jackpot or, you know, but the law firm's in debt. So they therefore all inherit this debt and they have no choice uh, but to start working and get themselves out of debt. So I play Jimmy. He's, you know, not the sharpest nut in the turd. (laughs) That was awesome. (laughs) Yeah. He he becomes the private eye, 
after much hesitance because he had just gotten out of prison for embezzling money uh, from the family, actually, for a pyramid scheme. Like, his heart was in the right place. He thought, why is the money sitting in the bank when we could be making so much more with it? So he invested in this pyramid scheme and embezzled the money from the family account. Of course, mom forgives him because, you know, he's firstborn and it's Jimmy. He's like, you know, Jimmy. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah. And then we have my sort of Doogie Hauser of a sister, the sort of young phenom played by Casey Roll. Um, and the matriarch, uh, Andrea Martin, um, who is phenomenal and hilarious. And because of Andrea Martin, we've had all these amazing guest stars. We've had um, Martin Short, Eugene Levy, um, Victor Garber. Um, Colin Mockery, you remember that guy from yeah. Whose Line Is It Anyway? Yeah. He's brilliant, and apparently he's Canadian. <laughs> uh, so we had all these real famous, amazing, hard-hitting comics that were Canadian, uh, born Canadians that could work on the show. So as an actor who's from Canada, coming and finding work in the States, I know I've heard a lot of actors talking about how they lose work to Canada. Mm -hmm. what's, what's it from your end? What... Well, it's weird because, yeah, I mean, we're blessed up in Canada. I, I, I'm from Vancouver. That's where I made my home uh, for the film industry anyways. That's where I got my start. And, you know, we're blessed in the sense that if I was, you know, some young kid starting in Arkansas, uh, I, I, my experience with acting would be so much different. I mean, we have huge TV and film productions coming through Vancouver because it's, you know, once you start learning the ins and the outs of it, you realize that, these are all people who have families, the producers, the execs, the actors. If you can be in a direct line and still save money on your production and you can fly in three hours and get back to L.A. and see your family for the weekend, it makes sense that you would shoot somewhere like Vancouver because it's so much How cheaper. How much is Vancouver paying you right now to say all this? <laughs> <laughs> well, they had amazing tax incentives before the – Who's the uh, mayor of Vancouver? Oh, gosh. Uncle Jimmy? Name? Yeah, Uncle Jimmy. <laughs> I own shares in Vancouver. Yeah. But yeah, so I, I got a really great start um, in the industry because we had all these, like I said, amazing massive productions that would come through who needed these little these little actor roles filled. So, you know, I, I hear stories about people down in L.A. putting um, like background performing on their resumes. And I'm like, geez, that's that's kind of crazy. I kind of want to move to Vancouver on a personal note. Do you? I like the climate. It's the perfect climate for who I am. You like rain. I like rain, and I, <laughs> the mountains are beautiful, and it, you can actually live like a what I feel is a normal life but still be involved in the same industry and have opportunities presented to you. Yep. But as an American citizen, I don't have a lot of the same tax incentives to do it. Right. But uh, uh, maybe I should just uh, – we have a friend. Me and Benjamin uh, know each other through our friend Matt. <laughs> and uh, me and my friend Matt were talking about marrying each other so we could, you know, swap. <laughs> swap you act that's actually a brilliant idea. I know, but then I realized I might be, like, taking gay marriage back, like, a generation <laughs> if, like, they found out, like, the first international gay marriage was a sham. Was a sham. <laughs> I feel like I could never live with that. <laughs> but. Yeah. Do you see yourself staying in L.A. or... Absolutely. Yeah. I love LA. I'm from a really, really small town in northern BC called Kitimat. It's about two hours from the Alaskan border. Oh, wow. Yeah. The next sort of, you know, decent sized civilization is about an eight hour drive away. 
So we played, you know, it was a great place to grow up. Um, played a lot of hockey, dirt bike, fishing, you know, hunting, all that stuff, snowboarding. It's you a, can it was go a, even deeper, Ariana. This is this is child's play. You're not you're not doing your job. Don't interrupt. You suck today. I was like, I'm just kidding. You're the best. I'm interrupting deeper. Benjamin. Though. No, I'm trying to go deeper, Dave. Oh yes, that's what I want. Oh, sorry. Okay. Benjamin, I was listening you need, to you. Uh, yeah. So I love big cities. Oh, I've no. always been attracted to big cities. I'm a chubby chubby chaser as far as cities go. <laughs> do you hate the heat? Or do, you love, do you like the desert I atmosphere? I love it. I feel like I'm on vacation every day. It is. Every day is a vacation. Because here's the thing. Here's the thing about Vancouver, which I you know have a, obviously a soft spot in my heart for as well. But growing up there... It is raining 80% of your year. And if you're a person who gets like slightly blue or, you know, I mean, seasonally speaking, not breath wise, um, if you get slightly blue at all in the season, it's a really tough place to be. If you have like, you know, issues with sort of, you know, depression or you feel like you could be real melancholic and could go into that direction. It's a tough place to live, man. It's real dreary. It's but then at the same time, it's beautiful. If you're a snowboarder, you have all winter. You have like you know five months of the year you can snowboard. Yeah. You really have to take advantage of that stuff in that city. Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It needs to be done. I know. It's so good, but it hurts. This is our tenth episode, I think. Yeah. So congratulations to us. Thank you for popping my cherry on podcast, yeah, by the way. Welcome to I'm Double Digits. So we're in Double Digits, Sasha. How do you think it's going? I think it's going good. Keeps getting better every time. Go on. It's strange, it's strange, though. We Well, the audience doesn't really feel this, but we feel it. Uh, we haven't been in for a couple weeks. So I almost feel... I felt a little sad. I, I wanted to be back, and... You, I think we develop a rhythm the more we do it mm-hmm. and the more we're here and taking a, a couple weeks off. I feel, feel rusty. Yeah, I feel a little rusty. Yeah, no sweat. I did say to David, though, because, yeah, I think it's been two weeks since our last episode. I said, no, I know why you love massages so much. Because you never stretch. So the massages are like... You're stretching. Constant, yeah, yeah, you're getting... In, I don't know if you know this about David, but David is a massage addict, literally. <laughs> this is how, that's how the podcast came about, actually. Because I wanted to do a podcast, and he always gets massages. <laughs> and he said, I have a great idea. You want a podcast? I love massages. Let's do this. It's the perfect marriage. And now that I've been getting so many massages, I, I feel why he loves them so much. Wow, you're really, you're like Sherlock Holmes. Been, no, okay, I'm sorry I'm not spoiled enough to get 90 massages a week, man. I'll be, I'll be <laughs> My honest. Body. Our buddy. This is not a coke habit. Dave, <laughs> our buddy Matt Anderson. Yes. Uh, Matty. Lived the good life for a lot of years, and now he's addicted to that life. Mm. He'll do like an hour of physical labor Ooh, and be like, right there. I need a massage. Mm-hmm. Oh. I, I deserve a massage. Ooh. I'm like, welcome to the rest of the real world, dude. Yeah. Where people do that for eight hours a day. 
and they don't get a massage. When at people the end. tell me, like I've had people since it started asking me about the podcast, and they'll just say like, "I, oh, you get how many massages?" Oh, it's just like, oh, I'm like, mm. so have you been massaged? Like, never in my life. And I just feel like someone hasn't been properly brought into the world. Unless like they felt. Neglectful parents or something. Like, your parents didn't tell you about massage. <laughs> <laughs> massage is, is, I mean, when we were kids, we loved our parents to rub our backs. Like, that's the beginning of my, my path in, off into madness was my mom scratching my back. Mm-hmm. And then it just got deeper and deeper and now I feel like it's okay if I end up in a Tokyo nightclub with no clothes on <laughs> and get, I'm just getting a massage and like I know why how I got here is because my mother scratched my back when I was a kid oh my god and that would be David yeah that would be like oh yeah this makes sense David Galeri would do that you, you would be in some I talk exotic... about myself and, with all my names <laughs> I know we would be in some exotic location and David would somehow convince somebody to give him a massage. Amazing. I went to the spa. At this, I had to go to this resort recently. And I, I went to the spa to see what the prices were. And they were like, first of all, resorts are the worst places on earth because they, uh, they're they like, uh, I thought they were sort of like the opposite of Indian reservations. They were like American reservations. Right. You're just like, okay, this is where we'll put all the Americans Without who the we culture. don't want to have any contact with. And uh, it's, it's all just like, you know, like American mall stores. And it's like, why did I fly all this way just to like, go to a mall? But uh, the went to the spa. I was like, at least I can get a massage while I'm here and distract myself for an hour or two. Yeah. It was like $300 an hour, $400 an hour. And I was like, no. I was like, whoa, my mind is blown, man. <laughs> and it was blown. No, I think it was like 380 and then I got really sick, and I was like, fuck it, I'll pay. And they're like, well, we're, we're booked. I was like, of course you're booked. You've got 700 rooms here. They're all full, and people are just as miserable as I am, and they want massages. <laughs> okay, we went. Uh, I was DJing, and David came along yeah. with another friend as well. And this is so awesome, so I'm going to talk like this for a minute. <laughs> uh, we stayed at this resort, and I've never done the resort thing on vacation. I I took like my first real vacation 2 years ago first of all. Right. But we went to this resort and the food was so bad by the second day I didn't even eat lunch cuz I literally I got oh, a plate of food no. and spit it out and just had to eat fruit. Where were you guys? Dominican Republic. <gasps> I have a Dominican and, story too. Oh yeah. cool. Yeah. I want to hear that. Yeah. But, but it was we, a resort and they make such a big deal about it being dangerous you can't really leave. Yep. So they trap you in the resort. You can't even go out and It's explore. not that dangerous. It's I I went out. I went yeah. to a cave, a cave club Whoa. in the Dominican. Wow. Where you literally walk down like 200. So they come around your resort and they say, like, yeah, so for 50 American, you can get on a bus. We'll give you booze the whole way there. We'll give you a wristband. You get free booze and entrance to the club. And you get a ride home. And you're like, uh, that sounds awesome. Yeah. You do it. They don't tell you that you're the first pickup. So you're like, this is awesome. Uh, they go to every single resort. It takes about three hours to stop at every resort. Finally, you get to the location. They give you all your wristbands. You're already half cut. And you go out with a bunch of American tourists, bunch of like weird Euros. And you end up in this club and there's like, okay, so there's a free bar over here. 
and you're like, awesome. There's one free bar, and there's 6,000 people in the club all Aww. trying to get to the two bartenders that are serving drinks. And you're like, this is not going to work. I'm never even going to get a drink. Like, the lineup what a is... a waste of your day. It was a waste. So then I just said, you know what? Screw this. And I'm like, really? Bottle service in the Dominican was so cheap. It was like, I'm like, how much is a bottle of Grey Goose? And they're like, 130. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, my God. It's the Dominican. It was it was awesome. But same thing. We stayed at a place. It was called Ibero Star. It was supposed to be one of the good ones. Where'd you guys stay? Which one was it? Hard Rock. Hard Rock. Which is even worse because it's like, why did they leave America? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Hard Rock. Fair enough. Yeah, the food was not good. I ate a ton of papaya and anything that was done on the barbecue, I would do. Well, I was really looking forward to seafood. Yeah. And they didn't it have never any. happened, but we found the one restaurant in the place that had um, a restaurant you had to actually pay for. So we went yeah. there and, and we were more than satisfied. Get a decent meal, yeah. yeah. You just see like tables of people going, thank God you exist. I know, man. You just get sick of it. That's the problem. I've spent... The longest I've spent at one of those like all inclusives is nine days. Wow, yeah, that's you, intense. You're just done after four days. You're like, uh, this is awesome, but uh, I need something else. It's what I imagined a cruise to be like. Yeah, I imagine it to be the same. I feel like cruises are better if you are, you know, kind of retirement, even the golden years more so, because you know you're mobility is kind of off it's easy to kind of take you port to port and you're not really into the adventures it's not like you're gonna go zip lining through the family you can be like well my kids aren't gonna get kidnapped too far exactly (laughs) yeah so massage is good it flushes the toxins what's the most exotic location you've had a massage dave oh or sasha well sasha what's yours i'm gonna think about mine um, like I'll be honest, this is like my fifth massage in your life. In my life. Oh well, welcome. Thank you. I don't think I've had. This is my I've, fifth this week. <laughs> sick, sick man. I don't think I've really had that experience. I I was in Thailand shooting a TV show a few years ago. Yeah. And I learned how to give a Thai massage, and at the end of the um, the little package we shot, uh we were rolling out and it it was me saying to camera all right enough of showing you guys how to do this now it's my turn <laughs> and they like rubbed one foot and we cut and That's went to it. the oh, next location no. it's horrible and i said you guys this is like torture it's not fair what a tease so i i was i was halfway there i want to go to thailand so badly me too I got I got a massage uh, in the Serengeti Desert once. What? Oh God! In the bush. Of course you did. <laughs> Wait a minute. First of all, there's a bush in the Serengeti. The bush is means just in the wild. Okay, gotcha. You're in the bush, uh, and uh, it was this. But in the bush, you can still find people putting up really expensive tents and being like, "Here, come be in our tent for lots of money." <laughs> and they had they had a nice masseuse on staff, so we went outside on the. With the view of the crater and Guru Guru Crater. And, uh, yeah. Does that answer your question? Bagow! That definitely <laughs> answered the question. I don't think anyone can top that one. No. Nope. I was once in, 
in Bangladesh with my galoshes. <laughs> and <laughs> when was that, David? I was just trying to be J.P. Peterman from no. Seinfeld. No, no, no. When was that massage? Oh, that was like, oh, that was 99, I think. But I remember it. Like it was yesterday. <laughs> In the bush. In the bush. <laughs> In the bush of Africa. Are your eyes, all, your guys' eyes closed? One's open. I got one eye open. <laughs> that is trippy. <laughs> Guess which one? <laughs> the good one? <laughs> the one watching out for you. One brown eye. <laughs> My brown eye is opened. <laughs> Fuck out! <laughs> full of it, man. You're full of it. It's kind of a sensory overload getting a massage. And having to talk. And talking, but yeah, no, your eyes the, are closed. The Even first just episode, real... I was shocked because I'm so used to just zenning out. Even in real life, if you were just to close your eyes for a half an hour and have a conversation with somebody, it's a trip. Ooh, we should do that in real life more often. <laughs> just closing your eyes because you're really Sleep listening. Sleep mask parties? That would yeah. be awesome. You're, oh, my God, I would go. I would go. <laughs> you're so much more Who's focused. Who's this? Sorry, I touched your boobs. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Sorry, I'm not sorry. <laughs> so you bet you're at my... That my hands are at boob level all the time at this party. <laughs> Is that Corey Feldman? Yes, let's talk for half an hour. <laughs> Have you been to one of those uh, restaurants where they turn out the lights? No, but I found one in Santa Monica that exists. What? Yes. Mm -hmm. What do you mean have... turn off the lights? It's the, it's the blind dining experience, I would right? never do that. So you don't know what you're ordering? Nope. Oh, that's trippy. Yeah. No, I think they talk to you. And they say, this is what we got. No, I think that's eat the whole it. point. <laughs> is that you just show up and just eat what they serve you. Well, that's you even, that's more interesting. Ooh, what? Okay. I want to do this. I don't like this. But idea. I hear like it's more atmosphere than it is fine dining experience. So you're I paying the, for a gimmick. Yeah, I hear the food's always sort of like, oh. Uh, like if Chef. It's McDonald's. If Chef Ludo from Twamec was doing, you know, a blind dining, I'd be like, awesome. Yeah, but part of the food experience is to see what you're eating and the beauty of it. And the smell, yeah, uh, uh, no. Agreed. Come on, blind dining. Yeah, let me spit in your food. You'll never know. <laughs> but you uh, never know if you still had your, uh, your the light on. Uh. You don't think they're standing over your. About you don't it. think you're standing over your table with night vision goggles and going like. <sighs> I just don't like the idea of it. On, on many, oh, oh, on many levels. What's the strangest dining experience people have had here? Strangest. I feel like <sighs> dim sum. I went to a crazy dim sum restaurant in Vancouver, and I was extremely hungover. And, you know, you have a couple of, you know what the dim, dim sum is, right? Those are like, sort of like, yeah, but hold on. Ariana, I feel like you're just phoning it in. <laughs> what are you doing here? There we go. Okay. All right. <laughs> We're going for the elbows. Okay. This microphone is right in the middle of my path here. So. Oh, blame it on the technology. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there was like a, oh, a dim sum that went by with like a chicken foot hanging out of it. And that was kind of like the yeah. last time I decided about dim sum. I was like, oh. Mm -hmm. 
feel like I'm done, but it is delicious. Well, I've, I've seen pictures of friends who visited like Hong Kong and gone to the food markets and some of the craziest things you can eat there. Right. Like the uh, you know, the fried bugs and all of that. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I ate has fried anyone, bugs. Has anyone eaten that shit? Yeah. You have? It's actually really good. Really? Chapolini yeah. In Mexico. What's a chapolini? A chapolini is a um, grasshopper. It's like crispy. Yeah, they're really good. <sighs> I had it in Thailand. Oh. And silkworms. Oh my god, silkworms? They oh taste god. like fries. No way. Yeah. What? It's really... My mind is blown. <laughs> I want fries. <laughs> Animal style. Speaking of, have you ever got the light fry? Uh, no. What from the, In and Out? No. Well, they literally dip the fries <laughs> for like amazing. ten Go seconds. What uh-huh. is, so what does it do? It oh. just cooks them enough that they're edible. Oh. Like they're not uh-huh. crispy. They're uh-huh. just and they're just light fry, so it's less fat. They're light. Yeah. Uh-oh. Uh, shut up. Uh, hold on. Oh! Uh, <laughs> 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 You're surfing the wave, Ariana. And I drank a bunch of pineapple juice. Oh, oh Jesus. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Jesus. That, that works, by I'm the so way. I'm so glad we know each other well. Uh, <laughs> Uh, the light fry sounds like my kind of fry. Light fry. Light fry's the shit, man. <laughs> Back to the light fry. <laughs> like that I'm never happened. Like that Reach never happened. Dave is screaming. <laughs> you have no idea what's going on, guys, but my masseuse is kicking your masseuse's asses. <laughs> I don't know about that. I'm pretty... <laughs> I'm feeling pretty good. There's you guys don't, you guys don't treat your masseuses as poorly as I treat mine. <laughs> I know. I feel like it's my lack of, lack of experience, though. Maybe I feel like just, just hurt, someone touching my calf is enough. It's like, oh, thank you for touching my calf. Uh, Not even necessarily massaging it. Just, oh, I have another person touching my calf. Wow. I've met your girlfriend. Does she just not touch you? <laughs> She's not allowed. Only on Tuesdays. Only on Tuesdays. If she's in the mood, she will, like, place her hand on your thigh and pat it. <laughs> so, first world problem. Yeah. Uh, my dog. We have Uh-oh. this beautiful little boxer pit bull that we rescued uh, a couple years ago. Her name is Lula. She's named after Laura Dern's character in Wild at Heart. Yes. Eventually we'll get a sailor. Um, but anyway. But there's already a clothing company now, right? Lula and Sailor? Yeah. That's Kelly's. Yeah. Kelly's blog, yeah. Lula and Sailor. So it's basically a future dog? Exactly. <laughs> Got it. Our dog goes to the dog park every day. She's really spoiled. We live in Laurel Canyon. And, you know, when you're around other dogs, there's fleas. So... We bath our dog probably, you know, we don't use soap every day, but we bath her almost every day. She gets a shower because we want to make sure she doesn't have fleas. All of a sudden, last week, we have this infestation. I'm getting like flea bites on my ankles. I'm like, what the hell is going on? Right around the time that the neighbor decided to put up a new fence. So I go outside and I start talking to the neighbor and He's like, yeah, you never believe what happened. I found like a skunk nest, this family of skunks, and I sprayed them with the hose and they ran up the hill. And I'm like, 
oh shit, we have this deck in the backyard with like an unfinished stair that kind of goes up to it and there's a hole. And I was like, oh my God, that's why Lula's been barking at the the deck, like the underneath of the deck. Obviously there's a family of skunks under there. So right now we have this issue where it's like, okay, how do you flush skunks out in order to then patch up the holes so that we can no longer have a skunk problem in our backyard? I know it's a first world problem, but this whole skunk situation in Laurel Canyon is pretty insane because you're not allowed to trap the skunks. If you trap a skunk, you have to do it humanely yeah. and it costs a lot of money. Like, And they're not even guaranteeing that they're going to get the skunk out. And then they and they can't relocate them. They have to euthanize them. What? Yeah. So the law is every two hours they have to come and change the food and water for the skunk, even though the end of that journey is that it's going to be dead anyways. What? But it's the humane society that's created these like crazy rules. And I get it. I love animals. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to kill the skunk. I'd love if we could all get along. I just don't want them to have fucking fleas. That's so weird. Yeah. White- so skunks carry crazy amounts of fleas. Wow. Yeah. I don't know why they don't just do like a catch and release. I know. Relocate them. Put them them somewhere else. If they're taking the time to feed them and give them water. Exactly. Exactly. But I mean, where would you actually relocate them? That would be good. I would take them out to a forest somewhere. I don't even know where that would be. The skunk forest. The skunk forest. We could make beautiful music together. No, you're not. That was you getting back at me. (laughs) Just kicked me with your knee. (laughs) She's literally went, kapow! Sorry, Dave. She did it for me. What? We we better. She did it for me. Oh, I get it now. Yes. That's my, actually, my dog doesn't even get fleas. What kind of dog do you have? I have a Doberman. Awesome. Yeah. You could, you could pet your, your dog with, um, a couple drops of, Essential oil. Like <laughs> I swear you're a lobbyist for this shit. <laughs> what kind of essential oils? I mean, citronella is good. You could do purification that has citronella and lemongrass in there. Um, okay. You could do thieves that has clove, cinnamon, lemon, eucalyptus, and rosemary in there. Ooh. So probably any combination of that, but that, those will definitely deter uh, fleas. Really? Yes. Okay, good to know. Actually, the only... Like, I went camping a couple months ago, and I gave him... I gave him flea and tick medicine yeah. before the trip just yeah. to be safe. But at home, no, he doesn't get fleas. I'm lucky. That's awesome. Do you go to dark parks and stuff with him? I haven't really taken him all year um, because I really don't like the people that come <laughs> with a pack of 10 dogs. Yeah, I hear you. Because my dog's been attacked at the dog park. Oh. And because he's a big dog, like the lady tried to blame me while she was turned around talking about all the producing credits her friend is getting at the moment. <laughs> so was, so L.A. Yeah. yeah. So like took so everything LA. in me to not curse her out, but I just was like, you know what? You're a loser. <laughs> My dog is awesome. Your dog is not your dog. You're pretending to watch him with right. ten other dogs running around like crazy. So, you know, it's kind of a shame, and they always smell um, yeah, they I should do. start taking him more because it is he's such a big dog. He needs activity. Does he have buddies, though, that he hangs out with anyways? No. Otherwise. My dog goes to private school. He doesn't go to the public dog parks. Really? There's, like, daycare centers where you go, and it's, like, there's slides and water fountains. Jesus. There's slides? Yeah, I've seen him what? go down the slide. Which place is it? Yeah, where is it? I, I, I recommend Wagville. 
in, in Los Angeles. Wow. It's a warehouse that's been retrofitted for doggy heaven. Wow. There's an indoor area, an outdoor area, many, many pools, and there's attendants every 10 feet just watching and playing with There's them. also another really great one called um, uh, Bow Wow Bungalow. Yeah. Yep. Chateau Mormont. Yep. <laughs> a lot of these foofy places wouldn't take my dog. Real, oh, because of the Doberman? Yeah. Uh, it's so annoying, isn't it? I get but, the same thing with the pit. So. Yeah. yeah but I found pit. this great lady who, if I'm going out of town just for like, four days, not really more. Yep. I take him there, and she's great because she has two adopted German Shepherds. Oh, great. And she has another Doberman she watches, and plus little dogs, but she knows how to deal with big animals. Right. And you see all these websites, we love animals of all kinds, we understand what they need. No, you don't. You're just yeah. saying that to get me to come there, and yeah. you don't pay attention to my dog. But she is awesome. I'm so lucky to have found her. Fantastic. Yeah. How long have you had your guy for? Um, two and a half years. Yep. It's your baby. Yeah. And I got, I got him when he was two, so. Awesome. Rescue? Yeah. Good girl. Yeah. Let me have you turn around. Okay. Uh, well, that's a trip just right there. Would you like a blanket? Oh, no, that's great. Would you like a blanket? Ariana, you never offer me a blanket. <laughs> a blanket <laughs> where? I already have one. Your shirt. <laughs> Have you guys rolled over? No. It's trippy. Uh, yeah, so, so Sasha. Uh, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, was that English? I got you, Bagaka. So you didn't like your trip to the Dominican? No, it. I did it. I was right in the middle of shooting the fourth season of. Uh, Less than kind. I was in Winnipeg. It was like, I remember shooting a scene that day. So if anyone listening doesn't know where Winnipeg is, it's essentially the Fargo of Canada. Got it. Yeah. And in the middle of winter, it was, I did a scene outside. My character is too cool for school and he's like a failed actor. And, you know, all he has to do is get to LA um, to show his, you know, ability and then he'll make millions. But he's actually like a terrible actor. Um, so he's too cool for Winnipeg, so he won't wear parkas and stuff like that. So he wears really thin leather jackets with like real deep V's and ripped <laughs> up jeans. So the day that we shot outside, and this is an actual fact, at 59 seconds, if the weather is below minus 50 Celsius, the union is standing by with like a heat blanket and a running van. And at 59 seconds, no matter where you are in the scene, they come and they put a blanket on you and haul you off for 10 minutes. So the scene that should take you two and a half hours to shoot the master and the close-ups on ends up taking you six hours outside. And the whole wow. time, you're this like prissy little actor and the whole crew is sitting out there freezing their oh nuts off. Yeah, so that day it was minus 57 with the wind chill factor. And it was the coldest place on the earth. Not only that, Mars was only minus 47 that day. So <laughs> technically it was the coldest place in the universe. And universe, I was working that's outside. A big, maybe the solar system. In the universe. Uh. In our universe, how about? Well, it's all the same universe. True. Our solar system. You dick. <laughs> Edit it. <laughs> 
So you went to Dominican to get away? Yeah. I went to Dominican during that Christmas to get away because I was like, I just need to go and recoup. I was really burnt out. We've been working long hours. It was a HBO Canada series. So we shot, I don't, you know, 14 pages a day, which wow. is a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, usually on the TV shows, they do like six to eight pages a day. Uh, so we were doubling up basically on our pages. And I was like, I'm going to go to the Dominican and just chill out on a beach. And I ended up going with my stunt double and his girlfriend. And we went for, you know, seven days. It was great. The, the problem was I didn't relax one second. I was drunk the entire time, getting the worst sleeps. And I came back even more fucking busted than when I had gone in the first place. It was the worst. It was, I totally, I went against everything that I, I had tried to. But it was great. I was getting cigars rolled for me nightly. It was, you know, there's a lot of great things about it. Like I said, it's first world problems. I'd actually like to go back and have a better experience off of the resort because it's a beautiful place. It is, isn't it? And the people are great too. It's like yeah. Jamaica. Have you been to Jamaica? No. Yeah. Jamaica's fantastic. The, you know, that's. Jamaica's a tough place because you have to really be careful where you go. There's a lot of, like, intense crimes and stuff that happen. Um, but for the most part, the people are so fantastic there, and it's what makes the vacation so amazing. You feel guilty when you go to places like that because, you know, they're relatively third-world countries. And you think about it, and you're like, well, I guess if, the, if their, like, biggest export is tourism then technically I'm helping with that. And that's really the only way you can justify it to yourself because people just have nothing. I mean, they're living in shanties, you know, and you're on vacation. It's like, it, it's, it's tough. It's, it's tough to sort of turn a blind eye and enjoy yourself. But the people, they don't... They, they don't. <laughs> I was there and I was thinking the same thing. And then I, I remembered that Dominican shares an island with Haiti. And I was like, well, at least they're not Haiti. Right. And I smiled again. Right. Spoke too soon. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I feel like Ariana's just wasting time on my feet. Really? I'm like, oh, she's just poking me now. Aww. Do you don't like the more? <laughs> I do. I'm just fucking with you. <laughs> <laughs> He's just high maintenance. Large intestine in here. Let's see what happens. Okay. No, it's important because I was sick recently, so. Right. All up in here. Are you doing reflexology right now? Yeah. Oh, oh Jesus. Yeah. Sorry, I'm switching to the other leg. No sweat. <laughs> uh, so what's your what's your ultimate goal for your life in LA <laughs> during or after your or your show? Because yeah. sitcoms can be a tricky thing. Yeah, they're very tricky. You can you. You can't really... It's the first season, right? Yeah. So you don't really know... Yeah, I mean, or... I'd be surprised either way. If it gets canceled or it goes, it'll be a surprise, to be honest. Um, just because you just don't know. The market is so weird. And they're like, well, your numbers don't have to be that great, but they still want them to be half decent. Our show's in a different spot because NBC didn't actually produce our show. They just purchased it from another network in okay. Canada called Global. So when they're looking at, like, an ad space basis during that time slot, they don't necessarily have to sell as much ad space during that time slot to make it worthwhile for them. Okay. Yeah. 
So who knows? I mean, yeah. So how the much ultimate... profit they're making on how much they cannot spend. Exactly. Yeah. Like, you know, if anything produced, like, for example, Welcome to Sweden, I can imagine that was like, you know, 1.5 to 2 million an episode to produce. Yeah. And, you know, then you want to sell your ad space and you hope the numbers are up so that your ad space, the, the revenue created by the ad space is, you know, bringing in more than the show. And then the show will get another season based on that. Um, so our show, because they purchased, I don't know what the number was, but they purchased it for much lower than a million dollars an episode. I'm sure they did. Um, then the ad space, uh, like the revenue that the ad space creates doesn't have to be as high. So therefore, if the numbers are a little bit lower, it might be excusable. I don't really know how it works, to be honest. I'm just talking out of my ass. No, you're really going to talk out of your butt. <laughs> Sounds like it's your so mouth. It's so clear. But, you know, ultimately my goal in this industry, like I said, is to just do comedy forever. Ultimately, I'd love to be writing, producing, uh, uh, acting and directing in my own features. That would be the ultimate goal. Or TV. How about you, Sasha? I'm working on a few different projects that are, um, uh, that I'll hopefully know more about in the next month. Um, yeah. There's a rally race called the Dakar. Yes. And I've... Been Are working you racing with, in it? I really want to, but the team I've built up um, has all done the Dakar before, and we decided it's in the team's best interest for me not to race. Right. Because, well, for instance, 10 people died last year. Jesus. So it's it's really one of the most hardcore rallies in the world. Yeah. Um, and if I have to take a break for whatever reason heat stroke exhaustion just sickness in general because a lot of people just get sick you they just can't handle it immediately if so i have to stop the whole team has to stop you love car racing yeah so i love car racing too trying to build it up we'll see good for you and so if you're not driving what's your role uh well it's my i'm i'm branding it as my team uh-huh. so i'll be following the team in a passenger car who gets to go in the helicopter there's no helicopter. Unless, like, they decide, okay, we want to make an entire TV show. Because there are helicopters that follow this race the whole well, time. Well, they, you know, certain news organizations and the the race itself, yes. But, oh, you gotcha. know, your chances of having your team um, get on, you know, there's going to be certain teams, like, I'm sure Red Bull will definitely have a helicopter because it's Red Bull. And they have that kind of money. Right. Um, because they want and need the visibility, but it depends. So in order for the team to, to place and, and get really far in the race, it's better if I don't race, because yes, if there's helicopters following, then more visibility for our team and our sponsors. Right. And so what's, can you explain the, like, what is the race? Where are you going from into and, and, and what's the process like? It starts in Argentina and it goes through Bolivia and Chile. And, um, wow. It's a little over two weeks, and there's... So you don't stop for two weeks? No, you basically, you, you camp outside, basically. So, you, you know, you have different checkpoints you have to meet every day, and crossing... Okay, oh, so there's like, there's, like, time off during the two weeks? No. Even if at a checkpoint, doesn't everyone stop no. for a little bit? Oh, you sleep, yeah. I mean, you pitch a tent, you sleep. Yeah. However much you want or and desire. And they start it at the same time again, and everyone goes? Or? I think, I, I you know, I should clarify this but i think it's up to you and that's why it's a race you know oh, yeah. if you can do it with little sleep go ahead but i don't i don't think that's a wise idea 
in that heat, in that terrain. So it's two weeks. What kind of cars do you normally in this thing? Oh man, they well, have everything. Everything. Isn't yeah. Isn't there bikes to buggies to like trucks to to cars? Well, we have we have a, diff a few different packages, but the the full package would be three trucks, two motorcycles, and two two to three uh, cars. Wow. So we'll see. Hey guys, I'm up a little bit over now. Oh. How's it? How's that? Speaking how's it going of pitching for you, a tent. How's it going? <laughs> oh, Speaking man. of capping out. <laughs> I just rolled over too. Benjamin, Hello. how can we follow you in the social world of media? The social world of media. <laughs> <laughs> I've just gotten onto the social world of media, David. I know. I just followed you on Instagram. I love it. It's a uh, Benj. B-E-N-J underscore Arthur and it's Twitter or Instagram. So the same at both. Exactly. I'm one of the lucky ones. And then we're at Deep Tissues on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook and and uh, Sasha's at Sasha Grant everything on this planet. Yes. Uh, I'm at David Guy Levy. Benjamin, thank you uh, for coming on. Yeah, thank you for thank having you. me, guys. This was a treat. Don't forget to hydrate. Thank you, sir. <laughs> from the massage professional. I've needed this massage because I've been sick, like, as a dog up until yesterday. And so, like, my whole body is just like, please touch me. Oh, jeez. <laughs> sick. Above the belt. <laughs> <laughs>